0: Not POTUS.
1: Not POTUS. <laughs>
0: Playhouse on the Square, Memphis's beloved professional theater. We talk to Marcus Cox. In the old Shonies.
1: <laughs> no, Which, we talk about that too. We talk about that.
0: Uh, no, it's actually their, their cabaret. I know, right? Shonies, mm. man. Yeah, anyway. Uh, Marcus walks us through what it's like to promote and spread the word of Playhouse on the Square, uh, their philosophy of the shows they do. Um if you've ever wanted to run a theater company, holy oh cow!
1: <laughs> you know, theater has always been something that's and you use this word, uh last season peripheral. Ooh, what episode was that? To me, I you know, I, I've gone to the ballet, gone yeah. to opera, yeah. A musician, the orchestra, but theater has always kind of eluded me. Um don't know a lot about it and kind of get informed about the nuts and bolts in this conversation.
0: At the time of this recording of our little bumper here, Beck and I just saw a cabaret, oh, yeah. which featured some uh, great Memphis musicians as well. That's right, and uh, it's heartbreaking. It it it's.
1: Uh, I have seen that one. It's
0: a provocative.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's very. Pro- it's a very provocative
0: yeah. live theater, but it's very Brecken, Uh if, if you know anything about theater uh, <laughs> history, it was very kind of like you're you're watching this all happen, and. Um, yeah, actually, Cabaret's is a heartbreaker Yeah. because uh, the bad guys win in the end, which is not a very popular uh, way to go as far as television, theater, <laughs> writing these days. Um, but Marcus, anyway, we'll, we, we talk a, a, a range of things, even the nitty gritty history
1: mm. of That's some criminal activity. Oh
0: my goodness. Uh, and um, man, I hope this inspires you to at least go see some more theater. So here's Marcus. Enjoy. Well, let's get the ball rolling here. Right. Uh, Mr. Marcus Cox. Hello, hello. Man, thank you so much. We are at Playhouse on the Square, which every time I see those that acronym, I think President of the United States, right. just about, not quite, but do
2: right. you get we that just, a lot? We, no. I don't think anyone's <laughs> ever thought. I mean, and until you said something, I oh, never no. would have normally just, you know, they just go pots. <laughs> I, well, yeah. And then all you got to do is spend a good, like, you know, three days with us and you're like yeah either you're on it or you should be like what Ah, are you ah, you thinking around
1: here yeah
0: playhouse on the square a beloved institution of theatrical arts here in memphis and um cranking out good stuff consistently i mean i'm biased i like it but I, I, i i think i um being that we're busy artists it's hard for us to see shows but uh the the ones i've seen here and of course being mildly attached to opera memphis but uh you guys are cranking out good important works um typically we start with a little biography what won't you give us a little history of 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 this uh this endeavor
2: cool yeah well uh playhouse on the square is uh this is our 50th year. It started back in 1969, actually a little bit before that. In 63, wow. our founder, Jackie Nichols, uh, was a senior at high school at, at Overton High School, yeah. which is also my alma mater. Oh, yeah. Uh, go Wolverines. I don't know what they were <laughs> back then, but uh, <laughs> I think they were rebels, but we, we can forgive. Uh, so, yeah, Jackie started with a group of friends, um, and they were known as the circuit players and just nomadically moved around the city performing shows you know doing theater i mean they played anywhere and everywhere uh and then eventually realized that hey we really got something here mm. and uh, started working to perform in an actual space a brick and mortar spot so the very first theater was um by the university of memphis it was off of walker avenue and it's still there if you know where that the blood bank is oh wow uh right next to scooties um it's right caddy corner to rp tracks yep. that was the first playhouse on the square Wow, uh, and then they moved to another uh, facility on Poplar Avenue, and that was the beginning of kind of moving into Midtown. Uh, eventually, back in nineteen sixty, uh, what was it? Nineteen sixty? 1960, no, nineteen sixty-nine was when they moved into uh, where is the Evergreen Theater is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and then. Moved somewhere like late seventies, um, early eighties into uh, Lafayette's on Overton Square. Right, that was a playhouse on the, that was the first playhouse on the square. Before that, it, it was just the Circuit Playhouse. Um, and what happened was Overton Square was bigger, bigger, faster, stronger than Bill Street. No one was really going down to Bill Street, mm. but everyone was coming into Overton Square. It was the first um, uh, TGI Fridays outside of New York. Was right there. Huh. Um, in Overton Square. Um they had the hotel was across the street. There was a lot of stuff going on. What uh, year is this roughly? This was roughly like nineteen eighty three. Okay. Wow, and so yeah, yeah. So they moved into that space there and started performing um, there. Jackie initially said no to the offer of bringing the theater into Overton Square because he says, "Hey, you're not going to let us do the shows that we do because Playhouse has always been, you know, the the, the company that does the more avant garde shows. We do the things that kind of make people cringe, not to be." Um, <laughs> You know, not to be salacious, but just you know, there are shows that tell stories that are important, and we're yeah, never we've sure. never been afraid to do those important stories. You know, we were telling, uh, doing plays against the Vietnam War. We were doing plays, you know, that dealt with homosexuality mm-hmm. and gender identity. We did shows that dealt with you know, racism and civil rights, and those were always shows, uh, and mainly because they were a lot more fun than doing Hello Dolly every day. Um, so, you uh, know, <laughs> I do love Hello Dolly. Don't let hey, no. Yeah, yeah just say yeah
0: we'll we'll talk about that rest in peace carol channing yeah right you know
2: okay so uh so anyway so we moved into that space uh they convinced jackie to do it but he kept his um the other space as well so that was always the circuit playhouse on poplar and then we moved into the square and became playhouse on the square um that didn't last very long at lafayette's because we were getting big and getting too big for that space pretty fast around that same time the lightman family owned the memphian theater which is where um the where our our the circuit playhouse is now right across the street on mm-hmm. uh, cooper uh that term was the memphian theater which was elvis's favorite hangout and he used to like buy out the theater and watch movies like overnight with all of his friends and cronies and everybody <laughs> uh, I mean, let's just be real and uh <laughs> awesome. so he they sold the building to uh danny owens and i'm sure you for for you know memphians remember danny owens you know Uh,
0: i'm a recent transplant yeah
2: okay so i will tell you the quick great wonderful story about danny owens danny owens owned all of the strip clubs and adult theater like you know adult bookstores and stuff that were all around the airport so now it's like like it's a ghost land around the airport But back then there was this there was a hotel called the admiral admiral bimbo uh and then there were like Strip clubs all over the place. Um, and the Owens family pretty much owned all of those. Wow. So uh, he he also purchased uh, the Memphian from the Lightman family, which the Lightmans are still around. You know, they own uh, Malco Theaters. Okay. So that was a Malco Theater there. He turned it into an art house. And it showed art films, like French films, for about a month. And then they started showing more. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm okay, right? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> this,
0: this, 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 so, uh, this yeah,
2: so speak, they started yeah. doing that. And um, so around 84, 85, Danny got in trouble with the FBI because oh. he wasn't paying his taxes, as most people who, you know, have porn houses don't pay taxes. They do- what? Um, and, okay. you know, it would probably be okay. Uh, he would have just paid some fines and, you know, dealt with it and maybe just a little bit of time in jail because that's just a white collar crime because you did pay your taxes however danny's brother decided to shoot and kill an fbi agent oh, oh yeah so danny's still in jail i believe and his folks are still in jail but it's so weird because they still have a house in white haven <laughs> and i drive by it on my way to church all the time it is the ugliest and craziest thing i've never seen wow. anybody in there but i do know someone lives there because there's always like crap and then when i drive by like the next week there's more crap and then it's Wow. So yeah, go go Google search like some some Owens, Danny Owens family wow. history. It's there's a lot to it. Wow. Long story with their yeah. life, but short part for us is that uh, Gene Katz was the president of our board of directors at the time. Um, went to danny owens he and jackie did and said hey you need some public relations help because you're going to jail there's no doubt about it but maybe you can you know look good in the city by saying you're contributing to the city because you've made amends for all of the you know the bad that you've done hmm. he was look. he needed money to pay his lawyers pretty much and so uh after some workings and dealings and things like that we purchased um the memphian theater and that uh-huh. became playhouse on the square and was that way uh, so we had playhouse on the square and then we had the circuit playhouse down on poplar and it was that way for a good amount of time until uh, 2008 when we built um built up this building here across where the new building is now where we actually do our performances um that was a strip of uh, antique Malls. It was like a little antique store there. Uh, And this building that we're in now was um, the Shoney's restaurant's headquarters. So we purchased both of those buildings, gutted these rooms here, made some office buildings up top. This was actually a griddle. It was a real restaurant. That's right. Uh, And then we, um, of course, built the state of the art theater that is still has angel dust on it, you know, cuz yeah, it's yeah. only 10 years old. It's now. gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice place. So through the course of all that we have done, combing up on our 50 years, we uh Playhouse on the Square would have produced over 2,000 productions. That's so, stunning. Yeah.
0: Okay, man, that was that was outstanding by the way. That that's one of the best bios I think.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. That was Well, and then you mentioned Shoney's, which took me down memory lane. I mean, fond memories of the buffet at Shoney's as a kid. I
2: don't know anybody who did not like that cheese sauce on the eggs for Shoney's. It was, you know, my own life story, right? So, um, there, I, I grew up in Whitehaven and, but my family lives, my grandparents lived in Northern Mississippi in Hernando. So when we're a typical black family. Like, we always got together on Sunday for Sunday dinner, no mm-hmm. matter what. So, I always, we always would go to church. Um, our church was here in Memphis. And then my mom and I would leave from there and go to um, Mississippi. But there was my birthday. And it's apparently we always did it. But the one that I remember most vividly, I think I turned eight or nine. Instead of going to church, we went to Shoney's. And it was, a set, and normally we would go to Shoney's for breakfast on Saturday, but mm-hmm. we didn't go. And my mom kept saying, oh, well, I'm really busy. We've got stuff to do. We got to clean. My uncle was coming into town or something. And I said, okay, fine, whatever. Uh, and then that Sunday, it was really my birthday. And so I was like, hey, happy birthday, da, da 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 And we got in the car and I'm dressed for church and ready to go. And she was like, no, Eldridge, that's my dad's name, turn and go to Shoney's. And I said... we're going to Shoney's instead of the church? What's happening? And we go, and we have the breakfast, and I get the cheese on my eggs, and the Shoney's was good, and the host, you know, the server was really nice, and it was great, and I got a beer, and I was like, yay, happy birthday. And then this lady comes around the corner, the server does, and puts that that brownie the sun the brownie Sunday with the big thing mm. of ice cream and the nuts and all this stuff and she this happy birthday nice. and i remember staring at it and i said it's 10 o'clock in the morning <laughs> what am i <laughs> doing with this? my mom's like it's your birthday you get to have you know whatever you want on your birthday so yeah up until i was like 14 wow my birthday i was going to some shonies oh, and then the shonies closed so yeah
0: wow so how did, how did you get into the orbit of, of this organization then how, how, uh, so I have
2: always been a theater kid yeah it's where you know I've ah, crazy phones Um, I found who I was I guess you know like I grew up in a family of artists. I grew up in a family of athletes more than anything. Like my brother can play, could play any type of sport. Would have played soccer if it was, you know, offered at Hernando High School. Uh, But he played basketball and baseball and everything else. And I was okay with it, but wasn't just excited about sports. Mm -hmm. Um, I could sing. I sang in the choir, but I was stupid. And um, I had two godmothers and who were wonderful and could play piano and played by ear and were amazing singers. Mm. And my, one of my godmothers taught me how to sing, how to harmonize. Mm. And I would sit next to her in the piano and she would play and I would sing. And never once did my dumb think self say, you know what, go and start playing with her and learn how. But again, long stories. (laughs) So, but theater became, you know, my passion became what I was good at became something that I enjoyed. And like most uh, kids uh, in the theater community here, used. I started out working at Theater Memphis. I did A Christmas Carol two years and a couple of other shows there. um, And I became, I found that I really enjoyed it. I was good at it. Uh, So I started going to school for theater. Um, I went to Overton High School, as I said, uh, and was in the drama program there Mm -hmm. um, and worked with Sarah Lynn Archibald, who was an amazing theater teacher. She's currently at Arlington High School now. Um, And around, I think I was, where was I? 15? 15 or 16 uh, playhouse offered a high school internship for mm. the summer and so i came here and uh, worked as a high school intern i did a little bit of clerical work in the mornings and then i would go to the circuit playhouse when it was on poplar and work in the costume shop so i learned how to use the sewing machine i yeah. hurt myself a little bit um i remember i had one job <laughs> our executive producer now is mike detroit and uh, back then he was just an active member of the resident company and I think he was at that point I don't know if he was the associate producer at that time or not uh, but he did a lot of shows here and his the boutonniere at the show was forever plaid and the boutonniere on his one of his jackets had uh, came off and so they said hey Marcus you know you've got to sew that back on and I was like yeah sure I got it and so I sewed it on and everything everything was good and then that was on a Thursday and then Thursday night's performance and um happens and then Friday I go back into the costume shop and there's this nice little note from Mike that said next time you sew it make sure it doesn't fall off. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And this was a high school incident. This was Internate. this was while I was in high school. That's yeah. so cool. So Great. I yeah, so I've always been a part I feel like of the theater community from mm-hmm. that and um I stayed in Memphis uh, because University of Memphis Department of Theater and Dance gave me a fat scholarship to stay. Nice. Uh, <laughs> <All right. laughs> and uh, thank you, Alvina Mart- martin Fryer. may she rest in peace, uh, and Mike O'Neill. And they, um, so I got a scholarship to go to University of Memphis and I stayed in uh, did uh, th- did theater there and got my BFA and through the course of all that I was still doing shows here and there did some shows at theater Memphis still and really started doing stuff here at Playhouse I was in uh, Ragtime uh, and
0: Ragtime personal favorite isn't it it's oh,
2: the greatest I went just, to New York and I saw Audra McDonald and Brian Stokes Mitchell's final performance oh gosh. and I sat at the Ford Theater brand new Ford Theater in the very back. See, like literally my head's against the wall. Oh, I, I did what so you told good. me not to so do. So my, head, <laughs> my head is against the wall. It's a good moment. And you can hear or I could feel the subway. I could feel the vibrations of the subway like rumbling wow. on the back of my head. Uh-huh. And I watched and it was, I was literally like the last, I felt like I was the last person in the theater. But when Brian Stokes Mitchell would sing, it felt as if he was right in my face.
0: Like that, that guy's, that guy's voice.
2: And it was the moment yeah. where I said, I have, I, I gotta be him. Like that's, that's where I want to be. Wow. Not that I needed to be on Broadway, but I just needed to have the type of presence when I stepped on stage that whoever was in the audience felt like I was just there for him yeah. and that's yeah. what he does. And I strive
1: to do that.
0: Um, where was that going with all that? Yeah. So that's really, yeah. How sorry. you got roped, so, how you got roped in this, this, this is great. Yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so,
1: what, so what was your first, uh, legitimate or professional experience acting? My
2: first professional,
1: Ooh, uh,
2: I would have to say it's got to be here at Playhouse um, and the very first show I did at Playhouse was Ragtime. Yeah. Okay. So and I was a member of the ensemble mm-hmm. and had a couple of you know small little parts and things like that mm-hmm. and did a lot of dancing and you may not believe it but I used to be able to kick my face uh, and uh, the I did that and then I did another play over at the Circuit Playhouse and then I guess the biggest thing at that time for me was I got to be a member of the ensemble for Sophisticated Ladies, which is a Broadway review of Duke Ellington music. And it was the first show that I had done. At this point I had done a good number, probably like thirteen shows here and there. Um, but it was the first show where I had featured solos. Yeah. And I remember sitting in the very first, you know, you you do the big rehearsal first where everybody gets together and you kind of learn the big chorus numbers and everybody talks or whatever and um, our director Emma Crystal was breaking down the script and saying who's had what numbers and everything like that because we did um, our production was a little bit different than the original so uh, because our cast was a little bit larger so was more broken down in the script, in the original Broadway script of who had which songs. But this one, we were doing it a little bit different. So I'm at this point thinking, oh, you know, Marcus is just, you know, nice ensemble. I'm going to dance a little and sing a little and that'll be it. And then she says, yeah. And um, so anything but you, that's you, Marcus. And Caravan, that's you, Marcus. And I go, say, what now? And they say, yeah, you've got it. And I said, you mean I'm soloing? And I'm thinking, oh, I got like a line in the song. Do ah. Uh-huh no that's your song and so yeah that was probably the biggest and and that was my moment where i was on stage and i'm performing and then and audience members would come and say and man it was like you were just singing to me
0: oh yeah so it was great that okay so that touches on something i mean in in this whole circus of 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 running a theater and and why why theater Mm -hmm. um and you know being that we're just beyond a darwinian script of acquiring comfort and procreating and, and eating and sleeping you know, what the the thing why as humans we we uh, reach for transcendence mm. how, how, how how like why why is theater important to you like 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 you know like we we touched a little bit as to like uh uh playhouse on the square has has, has purposely reached for for uh media and, and and writing that is is provoking thought right so so yeah
2: so you know i think for me it as i said you know theater for me was a homecoming like i was able to find who i was and Mm -hmm. express myself and be around people who get it you know i always say like folks who there's there's arts people and there's everybody else
0: yeah yeah
2: (laughs) really uh and so that's kind of how it was for me it was just like a place where you could feel and be and feel wanted and feel respected and cared for uh but then as i've gotten older and a lot of it is because as you know you're older now i've got a, a daughter and i'm married and i see the world differently and i see the world as as an adult who i feel like my job is you know to make sure that my child is ready to to deal with the world yeah however you know good or terrible it is um and so i find that theater and art in general is um, a great director that i just worked with his name is steve broadnax and he um, is out of pennsylvania uh, born in little rock but he lives in pennsylvania now he uh, Reminded this cast that I was in um, at Hattie Lou Theater, uh, he kept reminding us theater is a service, theater is service, theater is service. Mm. And finally, one day, he kind of broke that down and he talked about how it's our job as artists to present the world itself, present itself to the world. You know, that's what we do. Like, I Every play that's written, even if it's the most absurd, absurdist theater or craziness, there is some form of realism in it. You know, there's there's at least one character in every play, in every musical, in every short story, every. Piece of art, too, where there is some form of humanization, some form of realism in it. And it's our job as artists to take that real moment and show it to everybody else. And sometimes that real moment is really ugly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that real moment is really nasty, or, you know, the words, the bigoted things that may come out of a character's mouth. Like, you need to hear that. You need to hear that. I was um, I just did Sweat uh, by Lynn Nottage here. Um, The Circuit Playhouse produced it um, back in January, and it was a great show. Uh, And there were, without giving the show away, but there was um, it was about a family of uh, in Reading, Pennsylvania, these steel workers um, Hmm. that like many small towns, it was all dependent on this one job. And it was a multi-generational job. Everybody worked there. I worked there. My dad worked there. My grandparents worked there. My great-grandparents built this town. Da-da-da-da-da. And uh, it was set during the um, early 90s. Actually, it moved through a good number of times, time time frame from the future, uh, the present and the past. Um, But the... It was set mainly during the um, 1990s, around the time that uh, NAFTA was passed. Oh yeah. And so, of course, you know, one of the downfalls of NAFTA was that a lot of American companies just sent their work and sent their jobs down to Mexico or to other places because it was cheaper. Um, and so that's what happens in Reading, and uh, to this day, Reading has still really hasn't recovered from it. It still has, you know, mm-hmm. some issues economically. It's probably one of the poorest towns um, in the country. And so, Lynn Nottage went to Reading and lived there and interviewed these people and talked to them about their lives and everything that was going on there. Um, And from those interviews and from that life experience, she created this play. So, it follows this group of workers from the steel factory that all go to the the hangout bar. And you see the the relationships that are built. Um, There's two main families, there's um, a boy named Jason and a boy named Chris, and they're best friends, and then their moms are friends, are best Mm -hmm. friends as well. And one works hard to um, become a supervisor uh, in the show. And I'm going somewhere with this. So anyway, (laughs) the long story with it is the jobs are gone. And there is what was this close-knit bond and relationship with each other. You know, these these two guys grew up like they were brothers. These two girl, ladies grew up like sisters and they were family and they were so close and wonderful. But when this job is ripped away from them and their source of income is ripped and their source of livelihood is ripped, there's all of these, you know, webs of deception and hate and underlying fear for, you know, That otherness that we're dealing with in society now and I felt that for me as a performer and Playhouse in general, we picked that show to do because, not because we wanted to say, you know, if you voted for Trump, you're an asshole, but (laughs) I mean, if you voted for Trump, you're an asshole, but (laughs) be real, I don't care. (laughs) But it was to say you've got To own your stuff. You know if you say it you said it that was you mm-hmm. know, my grandparents always said that like if you said it you said it
0: oh yeah own your stuff yeah
2: either you're right or you're wrong now if you realize that you're wrong and someone can prove to you that you're wrong then own that too but don't backpedal you know don't say what you said in the dark is gonna come out in the light anyway and so that was
0: it's like it's like one of my favorite sayings from they might be giants that you can't shake the devil's hand and say you're only kidding mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Exactly. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So that's what we do I think with with art is it's our job to show society and we had talkbacks. Going back to talk about sweat, um the second and third or the first and third uh Sundays of our performance we had talkbacks with the audience and it was enlightening and inspiring to hear, you know, some of our audience members say I never thought of it like that, mm. you know. I never, and not that we change the trajectory of their lives. Maybe they're still bigoted racists, whatever. But at least now they can be go out and be a bigoted racist. So you know what? I am a bigoted racist, and I'm cool with that.
0: That that that's amazing, and that's important because I mean, racism really is is um, is a response to fear. Like I'm afraid. Yes. I'm afraid of if if I don't hold to these beliefs i'm i'm gonna lose something uh-huh uh, you know power economic presence whatever something you know it's it's a fear it's a fear based situation exactly um so so yeah so so being um being that you embraced this uh this the power of theater like how we talked about that what what is this balance of like important shows and oklahoma <laughs> hello like like, like you because know, because you have this you have this 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 thing of like um and we've talked about another podcast of uh and just speaking with with ballet memphis of like the importance of, of us in, encouraging our audience to go see human beings do something yes in person because the immediacy of video and video rules everything right now mm-hmm. but video is really good at at at, at kind of the drug of a video to where like, you know what? I've had a hard day. I'm just going to kind of tune out. Exactly. And so like, okay. So I, you know, the effort of gathering yourself up and going to see a show so you can actually not check out, but engage mm-hmm. and, and be challenged or celebrate or whatever's happening. So, 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 so in, in how, how, how is, how are you picking shows and do you try and like balance a whole season with like, well, here's the heavy stuff and we know we can, Maybe make up some budget with the big draw here. Like, how
2: you really nailed it on the head right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of like how, how it goes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's obviously, you know, we're a business and yeah, you right? got to pay bills. So, you do have to, you know, pick some shows that you know are going to fill the house. Um, For instance, this past season, Playhouse on the Square did uh, close the season out with Dreamgirls, which was Mm. a huge hit. We were sold out after the first weekend. We extended the run and was sold out every single show. I mean, I had people. It was probably... We were pretty close to baby folks like scalping scalping tickets on wow. the side street. Like it was yeah. <laughs> insane. You know, and honestly, we could do Dream Girls again this year. We could do a whole season of Dream Girls Million Dollar Quartet, um right. Mamma Mia, and throw in Le and you know, make <laughs> thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. But which isn't a bad thing. Which is not a bad thing. Right. But at the same time that's not that's not who we are. You know, our mission is to make sure that we create a safe space for actors to, you know, create and perform and that we do theater that speaks to the soul of our region. So you gotta, there is this cool balance of, you know, we want to make sure that we show present productions that show society as it is, give you something to think about, Mm -hmm. make you, you know, either excited or mad or conflicted or engage you in a way that says, you know what, I'm going to go out and do something good for my community. Or, you know, man, I just really needed something to make me know that life is going to be okay. And then you really need to see shows where people dress in big, beautiful costumes and sing big, beautiful songs and, you know, really good looking guys and girls kick their face. Um, And I think that all of that is great. All of that is perfect and wonderful, and you're right, it's all—it's so much, you still have that form of turn it on and I can tune out for a minute, mm-hmm. but I just think it's so much more beautiful to hear someone hit a double high F when they're right there, like, you know, a couple of meters away oh, from yeah. you yeah. versus just watching it, you know, on on TV or on a screen. There's nothing, as I told you, you know, I sat in the very last seat at the Ford Theater in New York City, but I can still, when I talk about watching Ragtime, I can feel Brian Stokes Mitchell, like, in my presence. And there's nothing
0: like that. Do you think that musical doesn't get the props that it deserves, I mean, that or has is, is it still, like, is it, I
2: think it still is. I mean, I hear people talk about it still, you know, to this day, that last, that final scene, uh, that final moment, uh, at the end when mother leans down and she reaches out for baby cole house and he comes running out and she hugs him and
0: and if you don't cry you have no oh, soul. gosh oh, <laughs> just, just, just in the beginning when when uh, Stokes says uh, sarah come down to me uh-huh do you just like yeah oh, you know, or, or, or just the um the apology uh sarah to to her child mm-hmm. you know just i mean yes. yeah that that show yeah if you're not familiar with ragtime you get on spotify or apple music right now that's i mean because right. you can get enough just even from just uh, from listening just the, to the recording soundtrack. and mm-hmm. just have your heart ripped out of your chest um
1: yeah yeah so that's so not think, what you said earlier carl no do you have to go out and see no <laughs> see but, humans but, doing, then, doing it
0: i tell you what man for our um, becky's gonna get me but it was was it that, was that our <laughs> 10 year anniversary we we, we, were, we were in st louis and we had missed the tour that came through because we didn't know what it was mm. And about the time we got married, is when it came through St. Louis, and later on, all of a sudden, it's like, "What is this? Oh, how did I miss this?" And we would listen to it. We bought the CDs, and we, you know, we, yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like uh, it, it had been revised at the um, in DC, um, and uh, we drove from St. Louis to Washington D.C. on our anniversary to go see this when it reopened wow. that, that that's how bonkers we were and it. And, and it delivered it was it was yeah. beautiful it was, yeah. it was great
2: so yeah so, i think it does i believe it it gets it gets the love that it yeah deserves i that was a little side
0: note i just yeah. wanted to i mean yeah but um that, that that's great so so uh i mean so that takes courage on behalf of the, of, of the institution to you know like regardless of even though it's great to sell tickets right um to to but there's um your your season pass holders, I mean is there there's enough support to where like people get it, right? That you know, we're 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 on board yes with, with the playhouse programming the way it does. I
2: love um, our subscribers are fantastic and wonderful and I need them. Yeah, Um, and we need more. There's plenty of room. Right. Um, The great thing about it too is that how our packages work is that we don't make you go and see things that you don't want to see. It's really flexible. You can get eight packs, twelve packs, sixteen packs. I'll do you a thirty-five pack, a hundred pack. (laughs) Come on, I'll figure it out. Um, Because we have such a diverse season every single year. In fact, if you go to other regional theaters or even you know main like Broadway, off-Broadway theater houses and you tell them, hey, do you know about Playhouse on the Square? Their next response will be, you mean those crazy fools who do 18 shows a year? Yeah, they're (laughs) out of their mind. (laughs) And we are, but that's just, it's the fact that we have, I think that it's because, again, talking about the mission of Playhouse on the Square is that we've got to do that many shows because that's how diverse our city is, uh-huh. that's how diverse our region is, and yeah. we've got to make sure that we're, as I said, if we're speaking, if we say we're going to speak to everybody, right, then we've got to do enough shows that speak to everybody, and that means that we're going to do those 18 shows, really 20, when you include the two theater education touring shows that we do, one in the winter, and uh, one in the fall and winter, and one in the winter and spring.
1: Wow. So I'd like to, yeah, touch on that. Uh, before that, you mentioned uh, Hattie Lou. yes, And so, uh,
0: which is like across the street. Yeah, literally. Right across the street. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: So I was just wondering if you could talk about, uh, collaborations, uh, well, not just other theaters, but yeah, any organization around town creatively that,
2: yeah, that we work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The best thing about, um, Memphis. Well, one of the many good thing, great things about Memphis is that we have such a strong and vibrant arts community, you know, yeah. um, Mike Detroit, our executive producer, loves to use the phrase "floating water." You know, rising water floats all boats, right? Mm. And that's really how it is for us. We have you know great relationships with Hattie Lou. We've got you know we love the guys over at Theater Memphis, G Pack Germantown Community Theater. Um, um, you know, the folks out in Carville and uh, Desoto Family Theater and. The ballet, Opera Memphis, everybody. Like, there is Mm -hmm. great, you know, um, Playhouse on the Square has done collaborative work with Hattie Lou before. We've done collaborative work with um, Opera Memphis. Um, We've done collaborative, uh, obviously, uh, Ballet Memphis, New Ensemble Ballet, um, Collage uh, Dance Theater Company. Mm -hmm. Um, They have all done shows and work in our theater as well. Right. In fact, um, every weekend, there is something happening between our three theaters, especially here at Playhouse on the Square, with the exception of New Year's hmm. Eve, because wow. nobody's coming <laughs> to <laughs> a show at New Year's Eve. But even then, like our theater was, was busy because we have rental spaces. And so right. we had like New Year's Eve parties in our mm-hmm. building um, on that day as well. So, yeah, there's always something. Uh, Playhouse on the Square, our administrative offices. We have um, other nonprofit organizations that work um, on the building here as well. Indy Memphis is here. um, Literacy Mid South is here as well. So, yeah, I think it's it's vital. It's important. Playhouse understands um, its important role in that. You know, I when I go out and I talk about because my job is to go out and talk about. talk about us and what yeah. we're doing, um, I always end up using the phrase, you know, we're the lichpin of the arts community. Um, and we're proud of that. And we're proud, you know, Theater Memphis has been around, they'll be celebrating their 100th year anniversary. And you can't take away, you know, the the, the impact that they've had to the arts community here as well. You know, the Playhouse is right there. There are two and Overton Square, pretty much shut down around the 90s and you know early 2000s but I'll tell you one thing that was always open and whose lights were always on was always Playhouse hmm. so a good 44 years of our time in operation has been here in Overton Square area and we've never shut our doors we've well, always been able to perform and do theater and things like that even when that gaudy public eye um, barbecue joint was like right across the street <laughs> we uh, were said- still open
0: <laughs>
2: yeah and we we haven't done any collaborations. Go back to, your, t- to uh, your question. We haven't done any where Playhouse and another theater collaborate to put on a production. Mm-hmm. We haven't done that in a while. Um, but it's not because that we don't want to. It's just, you know, it all things have to work perfect in order to make something like that happen. Yeah. And, you know, all the theaters, we have our own seasons. And we try now to make sure that... Um, our seasons don't overlap so much to where, you know, cause we, we share a lot of the same patrons. So we yeah. don't want to make them feel like, Oh, you can't see that show. You have to go wow. and see this one. So we try to make sure that there's a little bit of gaps there. Or, you know, if our show closes one weekend that Hattie Lou still has, you know, two more weekends of a production so that you can, you know, try to measure your time out. It's 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 a great problem to have that there's so much theater and there's so much art, but it's still sad. Even for myself, I hate that sometimes I miss shows. I'm at some of our other theaters and I can't see my friends perform and do great work because I'm working myself. Yeah, you know? but we what, try to figure it, it out.
0: So how how much um, you know maybe f- for folks that don't know uh, like in, in in casting how much how much is local people then then how how often are you drawing from professional actors from uh, around the country. Like, how does that work out? Right.
2: Uh, we do hire from outside. We do, we'll sometimes, we'll hire professional actors to come in, and it's usually for like a specific role. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Narcadecchia was here. Um, he just left again. He was here um, at, at the Orpheum for Fiddler on the Roof, um, but he came to Memphis the first time as um, our Monty Navarro in A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder that opened our season this year, and he was a, a professional performer that had been on the Gentleman's Guide national tour and um, he came to Memphis to perform that role so yeah. there are moments where we will um, hire in um, professional performers to come into town um we do, the same th- we do that with set designers, lighting designers, and things like that from time to time as well. Uh, but the core of our performance base for Playhouse on the Square comes from our resident company, which are professional actors that do live here in town, mm-hmm. um, and they will work for us until they get tired of working with us. Um, and then we also hire our associate company members, which are interns, and these are young people that are recently graduated from colleges, universities, um, programs all across uh, the country, and they will work with you your contracts with us yeah um, and so we've got right now there's 17 interns working with us wow. they come from as north as uh, Fredonia uh, New York to you know all the way down from Texas and and everywhere in between
1: wow. So do you still have the uh the high school internship that you were able to part? We to.
2: don't.
1: Yeah. We don't. We we do have. Um, we do have young people
2: that come in and and will work like one specific show or something like that. We've had a couple that will come in and learn how to to operate the spot, um, spotlight and yeah, things right, like that. Right, and right. we'll come in. Then uh, we're trying to work out now it's, it's kind of a liability uh, thing, but we're working on a way to try to Mm -hmm. reincorporate them, even if it's just like a small apprenticeship and things like that. But there's still tons of high schoolers, young people that work along with us because of the other Outreach programs and education programs that we have. Um, TNT, which is known as Teens in Theater, is a great theater education program. And my good friend Claire Rutkowskis is the director for that. We went to Overton together. Uh, And uh, then we also have Q&A, which uh, stands for Queer and Allied, and it is a um, LBGTQ um, and allied uh, theater troupe. Mm-hmm. And they are fantastic young people doing some great work mm-hmm. um, under the umbrella of Playhouse on the Square. Yeah, And then we also have our Summer Theater Youth Conservatory, which is great. And that goes from um, our tots, which is um, young as four-year-olds to all the way up to 18-year-olds in um, our senior conservatory. And this past year, the senior uh, conservatory, we extended the session. So it's about three weeks now. And in addition to the performance component to that summer camp, we also have a technical component as well. And you should come by and see some of these young people like the the set designs and the ideas that they're coming up with costumes and lighting. I said, man, yeah, where were you when I needed? Nice. <laughs> I and needed a set designer for my children's theater thing. This would have been great.
1: So does this fall under what you mentioned earlier, the educational? Um, That's right. What yeah. you call it? Tor- or, or um, Our theater or? education,
2: yes. Uh, okay. we, so our Department of Theater Education, they are uh, responsible for those programs that I talked about, TNT, Q&A. Mm-hmm. We also have an actor school acting program known as ASAP, um, and we have our theater school as well. In that uh, theater school, we have a children's theater school and adult theater school that teaches anything from acting improv, dance, voice, hmm. movement, all everything in between. Um, so actually, we actually have uh, playwriting classes now as well. Uh, so all of that falls within theater education. And then we also have our theater education touring shows. There's usually two. And those tour up to a two-hour radius of this being the home base. So we'll go out as far as Jonesboro, mm-hmm. down as far as like somewhere between Oxford, wow. Tupelo. Um, and we'll take those shows to... Schools we take it to we haven't yet, but if a senior facility wanted us to come out and perform, we'll certainly do that um, community centers, everything like that as well. and those shows are education based uh. To the point where our current show right now uh, is um the amazing adventures of dr wonderful and her dog and it focuses (laughs) on oh it's a good show (laughs) Uh, it focuses on science and the solar system and uh everything like that the show before that was the velveteen rabbit so of course it's a classic (laughs) children's story yeah and so and then these stories obviously they teach they teach the important basic things so it's not it it gives you that educational aspect without, you know, one plus one is two, hooray. <laughs> uh, so it is a very great professionally produced piece and uh, they were able to show those around. Next season's uh, touring shows, we're doing the Ant in the Grasshopper and the uh, Adventures of Flat Stanley.
0: Wow, Flat Stanley. You know, yeah. the, My daughter's re- Flat
2: Stanley is still like somewhere in Michigan. Right? He never came back. <laughs> <actually>. <laughs> it
0: reminds me that... I, the first production Becky and I worked on together. I don't even. I don't. know, I don't know if we were married yet or not. Uh, a church hired us to a uh, Coventry mystery plays. They were going to put on this, you know, medieval era uh, production of. I think only one song survived, and the rest were just text. So I actually came up with music for it. But this was back in the medieval era. The church mm-hmm. commissioned. Um, Vignettes to uh, teach uh, the Bible to an illiterate populace, you know, which right. was amazing to think about. And um, yeah, education, theater education, it's a real thing. My I'd my see. wife's cousin was in Seoul, Korea, working at English camp, and a lot of it was uh, she was a theater educator, theatrical right. educator. You know, yeah. it's it's amazing. Um, so what is. Uh, w- w- what, what moving the football down the field, so to speak, to bring in a sports metaphor, uh, of I like, like what, how 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 is uh you know how are you looking to the future to, to keep moving the ball down the field?
2: So it goes back to what we talked about with. Um Playhouse on the Square, not just being Memphis's professional resident theater company, but we're the Mid South's professional resident theater company. So we're pushing to make sure again that we're speaking to an entire region, uh, and with that means that we've got to make sure that we're telling the story for everybody, and it also means that we've got to increase the diversity in our season so um our 51st season even though we're celebrating our 50th year it's kind of you know you your baby is born and then they live a year before they turn a year so we did a year and then we're turning so we've this was our 50th season that we're currently in now, five shows we're remaining. trying to
1: explain to a class that it's the 21st century. And they're like, what?
2: Yeah. Huh? Man, that took me so long to understand. <laughs> right? They would say it, and i just no, look at right. them and say, okay, oh, now tell the truth. What is wrong? <laughs> uh, yes. So, our 51st season, as we celebrate our 50th year, um, it is, in my opinion, and I think Mike would agree with me as well, is probably the most diverse season that we've ever done and produced here uh between our three theaters i've got a cheat sheet um and i'm really excited about it we're opening with kinky boots um will be the regional premiere uh, for that obviously there's a touring show that goes around so uh, and it's been on broadway but we'll be the first in this area to produce that show i'm really super excited about it and then at the circuit playhouse we'll be doing the humans which uh is a straight play deals with that uh, generational gap between baby boomers and millennials and um when you or that yeah the gap the of whoever we are between the millennials <laughs> and i don't know if we're gen x or Gen right, y or right. gen abc i don't get it whatever right. <laughs> uh but it's 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 us having dinner with our parents at the holidays. Wow. And so you go from discussing why would you leave that really nice job to go and find your passion? And now you're living in this really weird detached apartment in Chinatown. Yeah. So uh, that's going to be a great story. And it's just the, it's, is if you are cracking open, you know, a house and staring into a family as yeah, they live. Right. Um, and that's a beautiful one. And then we just found out that we don't believe the next show that we're doing here on Playhouse on the Square stage is on Golden Pond, which obviously is a great play and it's been around for years and it was obviously the, the great movie with Henry Fonda 80s, yeah. uh, and is um, Audrey Hepburn, not Audrey, Catherine Hepburn um, that did the movie We, from our research, and we know that Playhouse on the Square has never produced um, On Golden Pond. And we were looking and asking the folks at Theater Memphis, and they're still checking to see if they've ever done it, because I couldn't remember. So it might be the first time in the Memphis area that On Golden Pond has ever been produced. Uh, But we're, it's going to be a great show and talking to again to a generation that can't be forgotten um, because they got us where we are uh circuit House will be doing head over heels which is a go-go's uh jukebox musical and so we'll just get to hang out and rock out to a bunch of go-go's music and it's a great fun show uh Then we'll go into the holiday season, and we'll do Peter Pan and Judy B. Jones, and we're doing a one-woman show this year called The Twelve Dates of Christmas, and without giving everything away, but uh, the main character is sitting at home getting ready to go to her family's holiday uh, dinner, and she's going to show off her new fiance. Uh, He decided to go and watch the, uh, the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. And she stayed at home to get ready, and as she's watching the parade on TV thinking she'll see him, oh, she sees him, and he's sucking face with another girl. Uh, <laughs> and so then from that moment all the way to the next year, uh, she goes on a series of dates and trying to find relationships and relationships during the holidays. So that'll be a fun one.
0: Uh, this brings up something. I, you know, so you, you've stressed uh, the importance of um, diversity within mm-hmm. a programming and maybe are, are, and in a way are you speaking to uh, critically artistically to maybe theaters that don't pursue that that they maybe stay maybe in their lane?
2: Don't you get me in trouble? Today. No, 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 no. But but, but, <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, uh, but um, it reminds me in St. Louis, I'm, I'm thinking of you know uh, regional theater, you know th- um, the Muni um, mm-hmm. putting on large shows. Uh, I I for a while I was playing with the Black Gospel Choir at a church uh, downtown St. Louis and through a group of friends I made there we went, you know, I, I got to go see some, some black plays. Right. Now and I got to go see, um, I probably dating myself, but One Monkey Don't Stop, No Show. Yes. And it, it starred Tootie from the 80s. Sh- from Facts of Life. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. And what, what's that actress's name? Uh, Kim Fields. Look at you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Bail, her because-
2: mom, true story, her mom was the, uh, you know, she if you remember the show, Good Times. Yeah. Uh, Janet Jackson played Penny and uh, Penny's Real biological mom was abusive to her and beat her and burned her with the um with the um iron with the oh, iron. Wow. Okay. Uh, that's Kim Fields' mom. Wow, Kim Fields' mom beat Penny. So yeah, and I got to work with her as a director. I was on. Um, the House of Pain When I lived in Atlanta on um, the Tyler Perry uh, TV show, mm-hmm. I was on a couple of episodes of that, and she was the director for that. So Penny's mom was my director.
0: So so that so that that's like a slice of culture that unless you pursue it or grew it or or I mean, like it was great. Like after the show, all my friends looked at me and were like, "What'd you think, Carl?" Uh-huh. <laughs> the, the the other the other white guy that was at the uh, theater tonight, I mean I I thought it was a black I thought it was amazing the energy right. in that house and 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 just in the, the whole the cultural uh, um context of 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 uh the currency of like the way it was written I mean it was it it's it was amazing. Right. Um, yeah. So so how, I mean, is that, is, 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 there, is there a, a present, and obviously Tyler Perry, I mean, he's taken, he took that niche and turned it into a billion dollar into industry. Into something that
2: everybody is, is familiar he's with ma- now. Maybe
0: right? with, without even people knowing, he's mainstreamed something that was right in-house, so to speak. That's true. Right? That's true, yeah. So we won't,
2: do it'll be tough for us to do that type of show uh but we do make sure that we're telling you know the stories of the african-american experience um with as i said you know with this season we're finishing this season with a great show called the uh, miraculous and the mundane which is a world premiere it's a brand new play um and that one deals with the um the issues in the black family, in the black community, when it deals with health, like mm. health issues, that's oh, wow. one of the things that black folks don't talk about. Like, oh, you're sick, oh, just take some medicine and, and move on, or don't tell people that, you know, how you doing, you don't want to really know. <laughs> um, so this show will focus, will hit that head on. Mm. It's an important thing that we need to talk about, and it's again one of those plays that we'll probably do uh, talk backs about so that we are engaging with our audiences and hopefully get folks excited to go back out and go back into their families and say you know grandma you got to talk about you know what you're dealing with so that i know Mm -hmm. that you know if there's a health issue you know a generational thing going on Mm that i can go and get screened early so that i can you know save my life or save my kids lives things like that um and yeah so we're going to do those shows too we're doing memphis memphis is coming back we're doing this great show at the end of our season called something i'm not something writing but uh, mississippi i can cuss on this right Yes. Good. Yes. Uh Mississippi Goddamn. That's the name of the play. I didn't make <laughs> it up. <laughs> um, and uh, that was by Jonathan by Jonathan Northam, and I'm excited for that play. Uh, it's set in uh, 1960s Jackson, Mississippi wow. during the um, onslaught of the uh, Civil Rights Movement. Uh, it's a family that lives on the same street as the Evers family's maker Evers, of course, Civil Rights um, wow. icon who was murdered in his yeah. own driveway. Uh, and this is the story of his neighbors. You think that, and when I'm gro- when I grew up, you know, you see the images of the Civil Rights Movement. You see Dr. King and you see John Lewis and you see um, all these, you know, civil rights fighters and everybody's together and they're walking down the streets with linked arms and everybody's singing We Shall Overcome and we're fighting for equality for not just for black people but for all people. Live up to the, the, the credo of the Constitution. But nobody ever really thinks and thinks about was every black person on board with this? Oh, wow. Maybe some folks were cool with just, you know... If all I gotta do is make sure that I get off the street when a white person is coming, yeah, and they won't bother me, I'm yeah. cool with that. And so there's that's what this story is about. It's like what happened to the other folks on the other side of the street mm-hmm. that weren't really cool with all this stuff that this guy was too, doing. Too
0: much disruption. Exactly. Amazing, exactly. Oh, so that, that's it's,
2: it's gonna be really that's cool. That's remarkable, Berlin, yeah. wow. Uh, and as I said, of the 18 main stage shows, well really the all 20 of the shows in our season next year, 17 of those shows lend themselves to uh, not just divert ca- diverse casting, but diverse storytelling as well.
0: How you doing? You got you got any uh, burning questions? Because I got one more off the top of my head.
1: I've got one, yeah. Go for it. You want to rock, paper, scissors? Give them to me at the same time. <laughs> no, I, I, was, I, I did want to uh, ask you, what does your day-to-day look like? here at playoffs my day-to-day
2: well as the director of community relations it's my job to not be in the building (laughs) i i get to go out and i get to talk to groups and community um organizations and other businesses and just talk about our theater what we're doing what we're passionate about what we're excited about And how those group of people and organizations and businesses can link themselves in with us, what they can do to be a part of it. You know, you can do everything from becoming a sponsor. Obviously, you know, I'll take that great big check and you can sponsor a show. You can sponsor a program. You can also be an underwriter for one of our for one of our programs so um we talk i've been talking about our mission and the things that we do we make a creative um and a safe place for actors to perform we tell the stories of the region we tell stories that link into the culture of where we are but we also never will allow someone to not see theater because they can't afford it Mm. And one of the ways that we do that is by a program called Pay What You Can. Mm -hmm. And we were one of the first theaters to really create a Pay What You Can night. We do it on the Thursdays after an opening. Pretty much it's the Thursday after the opening. Some of our other shows, like during the holidays, we do so many shows that we kind of have to move around where that Pay What You Can night is. Uh, But for the most part, it's the Thursday after the opening we can have underwriters to that so if there's a community organization or wow. a company or something that wants to you know give back to its community that's a great way they can do it you can underwrite a theater um, a theater education program maybe or you can even just become a host site so if you've got a great big building like this you know or you're a, a church and you've got a community hall mm-hmm. and you're trying to see what can i do to fill this place up and do something that gives back to the community in which my church is in you can host a asap site because uh, we all know that that arts education is lacking in schools to, you know, to the fault of a lot of people and then to the no fault of other folk. Um, and so we created ASAP to fill that gap where there, where schools don't have arts enrichment for after school programs because not everybody like me can't throw a ball and or I could throw the ball, but I just couldn't catch it. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> this is not about me. <laughs> but so but you should still kids need to do things need to know that they can do things and need to experience things that perhaps they never would if we don't give them that opportunity. And so ASAP fills that void there. And we want to be able to have more ASAP sites, not just in schools where it's private in the school. It would just be for the folks who go to that particular school. But if there's a community site, then anybody in that area could go mm-hmm. to that. So there's, there's so many ways that you can get involved if, with Playhouse and give back to your community and allow us to help, um, again, show the world itself Um, And so that's my job. That's what I do. That's my day-to-day basis. I try not to sit at the desk. I do like to read my emails. I don't like to read them, but I do like to read them. And I like to communicate and engage. It's a lot of fun working here. Um, We have a great phone system, and we could just page each other and call each other. But usually we just shout across the room because that's more fun that way. And um, my underlying job is always to convince our managing director, Whitney Joe to... um, you know, I'll come into the office and say, "Hey, you know, it's National Pizza Day," and she'll go, "Okay, let's go buy pizza." Nice. I'm like, hey, it's National Pasta Day, and it's not, but you know, yeah. So I, that's yeah, that's kind of what we do on a day to day basis.
0: So, in, in, tr- in trying to um, uh, attract funds from from uh, patrons, corporate, whatever. That, that was my next question as far as like um, look at me leading in did you see that? that, that, was, that was great <laughs> you know uh, we've talked uh, there's that famous quote from uh, Churchill you know uh, when it's, he was being someone brought up cutting the arts and during World War II and he said well what are we fighting for? Mm. Yeah, and I need, I need to substantiate that I mean I've, I hope that's just not urban legend but I'm thinking like man that's so and, and, and we got a little bit political but the reality of our political situation today is that first you know the arts are getting cut and that happens that happens in our schools that just like you know right. whatever you know from my perspective and maybe from yours as well some cold-blooded person would say, well obviously we have to cut the arts well and that that's that's taking a, a chunk out of out of the out of the human experience um so how 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 are you making up for the uh, you know how much you know the lack of foresight our government has right now in in, in helping this nation flourish like what how, how we how we compensating for that
2: uh, do you mean like how do do we we uh, the universal we compensate for well, or just uh, uh, here at yeah, Playhouse?
0: Well, yeah, Playhouse, by I know, I mean, in, in speaking with uh, Opera Memphis, I know just there's been cuts across the board as far sure. as grants and, yeah. and all that.
2: Uh, right, it's it's really hard. I mean, we still um, apply for grants. Um, we're in the grant process now. Um, Arts Memphis has been great and um, fantastic. We were just um, awarded a grant from them and um, First Tennessee mm. as well, and we're so grateful uh, to what they're doing because it helps, you know, go to contribute to our general fund, which, Helps fund everything, yeah. Um, and so we'll continue to like re- go out and seek out those grants from other organizations and in 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 situations like that. We also have fantastic sponsors. Our season sponsor, Dr. Thomas Ratliff, has been on board for the last three years, and he just got back on board again this sh- um, coming up for our 51st season. And he basically um, helps cover the operating expenses for. For all of our shows, wow, uh, and that's so great and phenomenal. We're, yeah. we're, we're grateful to him. We're grateful to uh, long-standing um, businesses and organizations that have sponsored us for years. And I won't start naming names because I'm going to forget somebody, and I don't want to be the one like you know go back uh-huh. and they go you didn't mention, um, but they know who they are, and we're so grateful to them. And uh, as I said. Part of my job is to go out and try to build those new relationships for people who are, or go back and rekindle relationships with organizations that maybe have sponsored us or supported us in the past, and for whatever reason, um, they haven't been before. So it's my job to go back out and go, "Hey, we're still here and we're still doing things." Um, we have yeah. a fantastic development team who uh, you know do that as well. Uh, to go back and answer your question, though, I think the the biggest point to it is. It's harder, but it's still necessary to just be out there, be present, and tell people who you are and what you're doing. And then to let people know, too, um, it's kind of like a grassroots campaign. Everybody can't write a check with a whole bunch of zeros, right? I I personally cannot write you a check for $1,000 for anything. Mm -hmm. But I could look at my budget and say, If I skip Starbucks twice a week for a month, that's $10. Yeah. I could do a substantial $10 donation once a month for the whole year. That's $1,200. That's my $1,000 check right there. Yeah. Plus a little bit more. So that's kind of like to, to help that old the old phrase there's more than one way to skin a cat right Mm. so that's kind of what we do is just to go it's like if you are as passionate you know and i know that you are you're passionate about you know what we're doing you're excited about the shows that we're doing you're seeing more of yourself um now you're learning that Playhouse and other arts organizations in Memphis aren't just doing shows that make them look good or make them feel good about themselves, but we're not afraid to get down and gritty. We're not afraid to do um, shows that nobody else has done before. We're not afraid to revive shows that people haven't done in years. Um, We're not afraid to be diverse in our casting just because it wrote uh, the play originally back in the 1940s that it was supposed to be, you know, two middle-aged white men living in an apartment in New York doing what whatever they were supposed to do at that time. You know, maybe the odd couple this time is um, a 40-something African-American woman who was just recently divorced and now she's checked up or not shacked up, but she's living with, you know, a 20-something millennial white kid who's never had, you know, a hard day in his life. How more... Keep the script exactly the way it is. Yeah, right. Don't change a word. Just change who's saying the words. Yeah.
1: That's real life,
2: you know? So... Did I
0: answer the question? I, I, it was, it was. My, 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 who my, cares? That was great. My, my, I want yeah, to that was great. My, uh. my, my question was kind of like loopy, a little bit. How, how do you? But, how, do you but, how
2: do we keep fighting but, for the mean, money? Yeah, the, I the, mean,
0: the, I mean, I think, like, yeah, I think, I think governments ought to invest in arts. I mean, the thing coming up here with Opera Memphis, the falling and the rising. I mean, the army, U.S. Army, who underwrites, a, a, underwrites a lot of stuff, right. That helps, you know keep nations running and maybe get in whatever drop bombs sure. play they underwrote a, a, an opera i mean that that's Isn't that's that amazing beautiful? to me that's right. amazing to me it's amazing
2: yeah and you're right we need to have more more like that i think how you do it is, is what I said is that we get out there and we tell people who we are and what we're doing. Yeah. But then when they say, you know, well, what else can I do? That's when you say, you know what? Do you know who your senators are? Do you know who your congresspeople are? Just call them and talk to them. Yeah. Well, they won't answer me. Okay, well, guess what? Here's the important thing. Every congressperson in that Senate and House of Representatives as well that have, you know, that live themselves and move themselves to D.C. and have offices in D.C., they all have to have an office, In the district in which they live right Mm -hmm. so you need to find out where that is and when they won't answer your phone calls or answer your emails just go up to the office and sit down it's a public institution you paid for those lights if they don't let you in go get the lights cut off that's what i say boom i I pay your rent
0: drop that's it right there right (laughs) i promise
2: you they'll listen eventually or at least they'll go okay come in right so (laughs) because i'll be back um in order to elicit change, we've got to be. I hate to be cliche, but we have to be the change makers. We have to be the change agents. You got to shake the squeaky wheel is the wheel that gets the oil.
0: Storytellers ha- ha- have tremendous power. Yes, that that, that I mean, e- even Jesus, you know, w- was really good at not directly answering questions. He would come about it in a story. So absolutely. The, so the impact would be that much more gravitas you know, yes. a lot more gravity so that's it takes work it takes yeah, right. work
2: it, and you have to you have to see the um the opportunities as they present themselves and mm-hmm. kind of jump on it maybe it's not going to be as i said you know it may not be that as easy as you go right up to fred smith and say hey we're doing something great you should write a check for it and he says okay and he writes <laughs> a check for it. man wouldn't that be easy uh but it's gonna be it's it's gonna take a lot of work and but
0: speaking of which, totally what, how, how, how i haven't i've never asked this before but what what's the headspace like of of those patrons who are like like the doctor you mentioned who's mm-hmm. underwriting i mean is that it's obviously part of their they've made that part of their their person their, their makeup right
2: so how the story goes with uh dr ratliff and i'm gonna make sure that uh, uh, preference this by i might be dead wrong but i believe what happened was uh he came to see and i don't know the production but he came to see a production of a show and i believe that it could have been that there was some issue with weather or something but not too many people if anyone came to the show so he was almost sitting in a theater by himself and we performed anyway yeah, because we'll perform for one as we perform mm-hmm. for a million. And he was so moved by the fact that we didn't cancel that performance that we performed and gave it everything for the one or two people that were in the audience that he says, if that's what you do for one person, then I can't even imagine what you do for the thousands that are here. And I want to be a part of it. Uh, and so again, it's about reaching that one person. And yeah, you never know. Like we were, we were lucky that are grateful and gracious that it was that moment where we could go and say, "Hey, could you write it?" And he said, "Yeah, sure." Um, so it's. We do such a beautiful thing. And yeah. I love it. I'm I can't imagine myself doing anything else. Actually, I, I did do something else and the entire time when I was doing something else, I was like, what's going on? I mean you mm-hmm. do what you have to do. Sure. And I did um but I'm grateful to be back um being a performer and being a creator and being a storyteller and knowing that I have a mission and a purpose in life is to make ensure that other people see themselves and um we take that with a lot of honor and we we know that there's valor in it and um and we take it seriously yeah and we hope that other people will see that and when they're inclined to help and you know if they can give it's wonderful and sometimes you know it's i'll preach today um it's it's about giving you know it's you can give your talents you can give your treasures you can give your time as well you know so there's, there's always a place. Our, our phrase here is, you know, find your place. You can always find your place at Playhouse on the Square because yeah. we are going to do so many shows that you're going to be able to come and see them. We have all these outreach programs that touch 30,000 um, lives of children, scenes and adults each year you can find your place there. There's, you know, room to volunteer. You can find your place there. If you literally have nothing to do and you just want to come help me clean windows, you can find your place there. Like, there is always a place for you here with us. Yeah. But I'll always take your check, too. <laughs> hey,
0: it, it costs money to do nice things.
2: It does cost money it just to does. do nice things.
0: Marcus, yes. thank you so much for sitting down with us today. This has and been sharing. so much fun. No, thank this you. is... Uh, folks like we've said other times go see people do things go see some theater it, yes. it's it's uh and, and be let it impact you let it mess with you and have fun all of it all the whole human range of emotions the whole let let it do it um thank you again
1: my pleasure thank you awesome thank you thanks speaking of playhouse on the square
0: speaking of which Beck and i are actually considering uh subscribing do tell no really it's it it's very flexible <laughs> I'm convinced. Uh, they put out great shows. They put out edgy shows, they put out the classics. Uh, there
1: are um, they it's like a, to be provocative. It's a
0: collection of 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 talented people doing a good thing, making art. Go see it,
1: go see some art.